Good evening, everybody. My name is Jordan McCrone, and this is episode 83 of Sodom and I. So, on the last episode, I spoke on 10 reasons why people might not want to read the Bible or don't trust the Bible. So now, today, I'm going to go over 14 reasons why you should read the Bible. 14 reasons uh, uh, that that benefits you from reading the Bible, right? The historical and cultural significance of the Bible makes it worth reading. But truly, this is the least reason you should read it. More importantly, the Bible has the power to make a direct impact on your life every day. Here's 14 reasons, right? Number one, it's how God reveals his character. And now y'all already know we got our physical Bibles in front of us. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 through 7. And I'm going to read this in KJV, but you guys know I like to bounce and round. So, verses 6 and 7. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And now in NIV, he passed out or he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. God is full of patience, love, kindness, justice, and wisdom. He is all-knowing and the creator of all. The books of the Bible describe the different characteristics of God in a way that humans can understand. The Bible is primarily a story about God's goodness. And when you read it with this in mind, it makes the rest of the text come alive. As you're reading, you can unconsciously make yourself the main character of the Bible. But the main character is and always has been God, right? All right, number two, it gives instruction for daily life. And now we are going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Give me a moment to turn there. 2 Timothy. I will say that I got a good amount of verses that we're going to go over, but they are all important and they support the facts. This is truth. So, 15 through 17. 
and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given and by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Mm. The Bible is full of practical wisdom for life, especially in the New Testament. The writers wanted their readers to know how to live the way God intended. You will find information that'll help as you figure out how to be a parent, how to have a successful marriage, how to approach your work, how to care for family members, how to forgive, and how to love. That how to forgive is so, so important. Oh my gosh. Even when the specifics are tied to cultures or situations different than yours, beneath those specifics, you're going to find practical principles, principles that'll help you in your daily 21st century life. Try reading Ephesians if you're looking for clear applications for your day-to-day life. Number three, it teaches you how to pray. We're going to go to Luke We're first going to read Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 4. They touch there, but I also like Matthew chapter 6. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Yeah, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Yeah, I'm thinking of Matthew. (laughs) Thy will be done in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everything. Everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right. And there are a few key differences in this one in Matthew uh, chapter six. But I'm going to go there because I do love that one. Do, do, do. So Matthew chapter six verses 9 through 13 after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us as we forgive our debtors And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for evil, from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Gospels are packed with recollections of Jesus praying. 
literally all throughout the gospels it's riddled with jesus you know going into a secret place or you know going somewhere else and praying he prayed basically in any situation at any time of the day about anything he wanted to talk with god about his followers who were called his disciples saw him praying all the time you should also learn to pray like this the Lord's Prayer, quoted above, is a great template to follow when learning to pray. Try praying in this manner yourself and bring your request to God. And I'll also add to this, whenever you pray, realize that Jesus first started praying by acknowledging the Father and not just going with his problems. God already knows. Look, I ain't even got to say it. Verse 8 in Matthew chapter 6. Be ye therefore like unto them. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Don't just go to God as if it's the first time he's hearing of you praying for these needs we feel we have. He already knows. We need to acknowledge him first. And a part of acknowledging God is being thankful with thanksgiving, come into his prayer, you know, come into prayer, into his presence. All right, so next, number four, because I don't want to keep y'all too long tonight. We do got 14. We're going to go to John 3, 16 and 17, because I always like putting those two together. Four, it explains the gospel. Sixteen and seventeen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Mm. And then also Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gospel is a story of how God, after being rejected by the people he created and loved, has been working to restore the world and our relationships with him. The essence of the gospel is the story of Jesus. Knowing the gospel is critical, critical to having a relationship with God. The gospel is all about Jesus and the whole Bible points to this critical time in history. Number five, it explains how to share the gospel. So it doesn't doesn't just have the gospels in there. It explains how to share the gospel within the gospel. We're going back to Matthew We're going to go to chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Not only is the Bible's main message focused on the gospel, but the Bible also gives instructions for how to share the gospel with others. The verse quoted above is always great commission, and it is one of the last statements Jesus made to his followers. After hearing Jesus' command, they preached in churches, shared about Jesus with strangers, and taught people from all backgrounds about him. If you are a Christian and want to learn how to share the gospel, living out the Great Commission in your life is a good place to start. Action speaks so much louder than words. Number six, it teaches you how to trust God. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That's an NIV. Learning to trust God is a lifelong process. Submitting all your ways to his way does not happen overnight. And I do not think God wants it to. He wants you to come to him daily and lean on him and repeat back to yourself the truth about him from the Bible, his word. If you're struggling to read with the Bible in the light of God's trustworthiness, we'll go ahead and uh, get, get uh, get into when you don't like reading the Bible. That'll be probably the next topic that I go on. But... Number seven, it shows God, it shows what God's will is. And now we're going to go to Romans chapter 12, verse two. Romans 12 and two. There we And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And now we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Second to get there. There's Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do you ever wonder what does God want to do in my life? How do I know which path to follow? There are a lot 
of Bible verses that mention God's will, but these two give you a broad and specific answer. Broadly, work on transforming your life to align with God's thoughts. How? By reading God's word. More specifically, live in joy, pray always, and radiate gratitude for the blessings in your life. This will also lead you into God's will. Number eight, it is full of God's promises. Now we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 19. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And that's an NIV. What an encouraging verse. Repeat this promise to yourself daily until you've memorized it. And I'll do the same. 3118. Because, you know, we, we normally quote, uh, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. But, you know, memorize the whole thing. Every time you feel anxious or worried, remind yourself of this verse. The way you remember God's promises is by memorizing them. After you've memorized the verse, see if the, see if the truth in it helps you resist, you know, anxiety better. And I'll say, when his word is on your heart, man, and you know it and you believe it for fact like it is, it definitely helps you a whole lot. I used to be so anxious. I used to be so depressed and so sad and just worried and stressed all the time. But God literally says, hand it over to me. Truly, give it over to me. Don't ignore it, but give it over. Number nine, it's historically accurate. And now we're going to go to Luke chapter two, verses one through four. Luke, there we go. I like this Bible. It's a big old Bible, though. It'll take me a second to turn. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And I believe another name for it, Serenius, was Quirinius. Mm-hmm. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. The Bible records history and sets its historical narratives within a wider historical context. The Old Testament especially mentions landmarks and rulers of the periods when its books were written. Historically accurate. Number 10, it teaches you how to forgive. 
Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 to 32. Ephesians. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 4. 31-32 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake huh, hath forgiven you. One of the key components of the gospel message is that Jesus died on the cross to forgive sins. Since this is such a central aspect of who God is, a forgiver, the Bible has a lot to say about forgiveness. Even if you are not a follower of Christ, check out the various verses on forgiveness because they will still be helpful for your everyday life. Think about who you need to forgive and then practice removing any bitterness you may be holding on to toward that person. And I will say myself, unforgiveness is so easily planted when you feel like you're right. But at the end of the day, regardless of whoever feels like who is right, God said unforgiveness is wrong. So. Take that uh, take that piece of cake and eat it, just like I did. <laughs> 11, it's full, full of truth. We are going to go to John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then we're going to go to John uh, chapter 8. Mm-mm. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Now I gotta go back. Let's see. There we go. John chapter 8, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, Then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth will set you free. God is truth. That's another aspect of his character that shows itself through the Bible. Some say truth is relative, and it can be overwhelming to know where to go for truth. These days, data, and personal opinion slash information are two things people often turn to. But the Bible is ultimately where truth is found. Ask God to show you his truth. When you read the scriptures, he will reveal it to you. The Old Testament book of Proverbs contains wisdom for life. Oh my gosh, Proverbs is literally uh, a golden nugget, man. And is a great place to start if you're looking for biblical truth. Biblical truth. 
And now uh, number 12, it asks and answers big questions. And we're going to go to Psalms chapter 10, verse 1. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And that's NIV, but I want to read KJV. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The Psalms are the Bible's songbook, and they are packed with big life questions. God is not afraid of anger or sadness. He knows these things because he sent Jesus to the cross, and he wants us to find comfort in the Bible when we are in pain. Feel free to tell him if you're confused. Share with him if you're angry at him. The writers of the Psalms did, and God was loving and patient with them. The answers to big questions can be found in many different books of the Bible. God has often allowed people to learn through life circumstances. Read about the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 through 50, chapters 37 through 50, and how God redeemed his immense pain. I'd also recommend Job. That was some immense pain. Number 13, it's culturally relevant. And that is a Ecclesiastes, so we're not going too far. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and it is which, or that, la, 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 and that which is done, is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. KJV is hilarious. Let's read NIV. <laughs> what, it, what has been will be again. And what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. I bet when we hear that, we did not know we were quoting the Bible. I did not before I read Ecclesiastes. I was like, wow, this is where it came from. There is nothing new under the sun. It is fascinating to study the various cultural aspects of the Bible. But from the beginning to the end, you'll read about love, jealousy, doubt, confusion, trust, hardship, loss, marriage, temptation, depression, anxiety, and happiness. This list could go on and on. There really is nothing new under the sun because people will always be people. Humans will always be humans. <laughs> Thankfully, God is always in the business of redeeming people. And lastly, we are going to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. And the final reason... It reveals how much God loves you. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God 
is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God loves you. Period. End of story. It's okay if you struggle to believe it. And it's okay if you do not feel it. But you should know it is the truth. If God is love, like the verse quoted above says, the verse I read says, what does that mean for you and me? How can you experience God's love? Try doing a word study on love in the Bible. You will find more than 300 verses on love. Meditate on the verses as you read them. Ask yourself how they impact you and if they change your view of God. Now, I know this was a lot of information today. This was a good amount of Bible verses, but I really urge you guys to rewind, pause, and look up the verses and meanings and then listen to what I'm saying again as you hear them. I thank you guys for listening. I pray that you stay blessed, that you are a blessing unto others. And I love you guys, but God loves you so much more than I do. I hope you have a wonderful night and happy new year. I'll see you guys in 2024.